0: the afternoon show. I'm your host, Bill Arnold. It's an astounding 72% of all doctors agree that mixing afternoons with me is an effective treatment for your day. So I'm glad you're here with me. Now, if you're busy working from home or teaching your dog that new trick that you've always promised you would, and you can't listen live. You know, you can always catch the podcast. Go to myfaithradio.com. You can check out any show that runs live here at My Faith Radio, and you can say, you know, I can't listen to Bill or Susie or Carmen, but I can catch the podcast. And it's got this really nice uh, app. You can go to uh, your app store on Android or Apple and download the app, and it's really nice. So I hope you take advantage of that because it's um, it's a great resource, and it's got all the episodes and podcasts. are all lined up. You can pick the one that you want to listen to, and you go... Oh, that Vince Miller one. I didn't catch that. Um, well, it's because we haven't aired it yet because he's in the studio right now. So we're getting close to getting that uh, available. But uh, you're going to want to, uh, if you miss any of today, catch, check it out. Vince is a mentor, a speaker, and an author. He's written, I don't know, 300 books. How many books, Vince? 19. 19. That sounds Isn't like that 300. <laughs> I would have said 300. <laughs> Just agree with me.
2: Yeah. Okay. But you, Man, uh... it was an incredible 300 books. Oh, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah.
0: you. Yeah. And you uh, primarily speak to men.
2: Primarily, that is
0: That is your your ministry. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about men and uh, what's going on in COVID right now, because there's a big toll being taken on men, isn't there?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What are you learning? Oh, man, I'm learning all kinds of things. Like uh, I'll just share with you, I just talked to my son today. He's in college, second year of college. Uh, He's in a college in-state here, private school, not any one of the neighboring schools or your school here. But um, he, he called me today and he's just like, man, I'm just on lockdown. Like I can't, I go to my, I'm in my room, where's the only place I can take off my mask. Mm -hmm. I'm in my room with my friend. And then I leave to go to maybe an occasional class, maybe to play soccer because he plays for the soccer team and he has to wear his mask the entire time. And Mm -hmm. he feels very trapped and isolated. I'm like, I actually talked to my wife before I came here and I said, it feels like he's a prisoner a little bit, mm. and I'm not putting down that institution for trying to try and take measures to protect. Not. No, we're all doing but that. But at the expense of, you know, human relationship and, and uh, you know, community and to feel loved and cared for as well.
0: Yeah, I'm curious as to what it's going to be like when we reset life as we once knew it, because we've gotten used to not interacting as much as we once did. We don't really have to smile at people anymore because we can't. Um, so we've become a little more expressionless. Right. Uh, we've had fewer reasons to talk because people don't like talking. Right. I mean, you know, and men right.
2: men struggle with it enough. Um, so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do. I kind of. As soon as I put the mask on, it's like this different demeanor comes across <laughs> me. I'm kinda like even when I when I had to go back to my car to get my mask because you know I forget it like five times a day, right? Yeah, I would where'd you push like that out of the trunk? Uh, I've had this since COVID began. <laughs> Quit touching <laughs> yeah, it. Stop I know, touching, it, keep touching it. Now you gotta wash your hands or sanitize <laughs> <I know. laughs> your hands because you've contaminated it. We exactly. were talking about that earlier today. I heard that. I okay. thought that was yeah, that's so true, isn't it? Like uh, anyway, I'm I I change these, like I change my filters in my house. <laughs> <laughs> only when the furnace gives out, right? <laughs> That's really unfortunate. I shouldn't say that. But yeah. uh, but I, I think I, as soon as I put it on, I feel trapped. You know, I, feel, I just feel like I've become somebody else mm-hmm. um, and not superhuman, Okay, right? Like, I feel like I've become less of me.
0: Well, I, I pray that we will continue to uh, be safe and help people uh, not get sick. And do, we do all do our part and do our best. But in the meantime, we have to figure out how to reconnect. And I think you've come up with an interesting solution for men. You're doing some online mentoring now, which I think is great. You speak to groups online. And I know there's a lot of men looking for places and uh, where they can go and, and think out loud, so to speak.
2: Yeah, yeah. We started this actually a couple of months back. And I just, you know, because I have no speaking schedule anymore. Right. Right. I have no, you understand what that's like. I have no speaking schedule anymore. So I just started doing some things online. And I was shocked that men wanted to join that, and so I just do these short zoom meetings online around curriculum i 've already developed, and guys love it. they like actually seeing each other like like asking questions, mm, they like engaging around the word and uh, you know guys are really having interesting responses to the season just with community in general i 've seen so many men just almost punt on going to church at all for all kinds of different reasons. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they know that they want community, but they're just not sure how to go about it. And then when someone invites them into it, they're kind of excited. It kind of brings them to life again. And even if it's just virtual for a season, they're enjoying that. There's there's a little bit of enjoyment that they get out of it. It's not like we're doing here, which is why I came into the studio to see you and Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. it's kind of fun to see people and sit in front of them. So I'm really excited right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's not the same, but it's you know a representation of yeah. what we're looking for. And we're not technically here these are holograms you're looking yeah, at. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay.
0: Let's talk about uh Christian men today are they tending to be more active or passive in this COVID
2: type environment? You know, I or- think I think men are just uh unfortunately they're not as active as as I'd like to see them be. Mm-hmm. Um I Passivity is a horrible thing for men, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. And uh, it leads to all kinds of other problems. Like, you know, just when I was talking to my son today at college, I realized in his voice there was a different tone. There was a different level of enthusiasm. Oh, yeah. There was, I mean, he when he was doing class online from home, he was more happy than he is right now. Walking from his dorm room to soccer practice back to his dorm room. He really was, because there was more human interaction, mm-hmm. right? There was more people around. There was more space, right? And uh, I, I think that this this season is locking men down, and because of it, they they revert to unhealthy patterns of engagement, whether it be addictions or former attitudes or frustrations. And a lot of this is boiling out of them right now, and I've seen it boil out of them, and it really, it actually breaks my heart because I'm starting to feel it. You know, I'm beginning to feel it. I've Somewhat normalized, I think, a little bit, but the frustrations come out once in a while, and I'm dealing with it as well.
0: So, Vince, let's talk about passivity a little bit. Is it a psychological defense mechanism?
2: To be passive? Yeah. I think so. Um, I would say that uh, passivity is an actual behavioral response of running uh, because of shame, uh, because of guilt. Um, I was talking to some guys, I did the online mentoring program this morning, actually, and one of the guys was asking a question about repetitive sin in his life Mm -hmm. and about how to deal with some of the sin of his past. Mm -hmm. And you could tell that he was having a hard time engaging with it because either someone was shaming him for the sin of his past or he was, you know, in his mind, like you guys were talking in the mindset stuff you were just on the radio talking about with Dave, was uh, in his mind, he's privately shaming himself, which I think drives men. Toward non activity, which I would call passivity, right it 's to be passive when we know what the right thing is to do, or we 're unsure of ourselves on what the right thing to do is, and therefore we hesitate and because we hesitate, we become passive in nature, so therefore we do nothing and uh that is not the best response, however, passivity can be good when it involves evil things, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like sin, for example, we could be passive to sin, which is a good thing, but we tend to be passive toward biblical character, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it welcome and invites sinful patterns. So passive, passivity can be a state of mind. You know, It can be a, a, a consciousness of the soul. It, it can be a way that we've always done things that's hard to unlearn right? Like we learn selfish patterns. We have to unlearn them. I heard Rebecca talking about this in the last program. You got to unlearn by subjecting yourself to the word and positive new patterns. It's not just exporting everything from our system. We got to import, right? God's truth in there too. So that's how I think about passivity. Mm -hmm.
0: What What are we defending against when we are passive?
2: I think we're defending against the world's, uh, the world's way of doing things. Uh, for example, uh, when, when, I'm, when I'm passive uh, in my relationship with God, I am welcoming the world's system or its way of doing things, which is, as Paul said, the flesh, the, the way of the flesh. I think that Paul learned a, or tried to teach us a very important lesson when in Galatians he's teaching us to put off the ways of the flesh and put on the ways of the Spirit. So we are becoming more passive to the way that the world does things, to the way the flesh wants to do things, to the urges and the desires of the flesh as a Christian, and more active to the ways of God, to His way, to His truth, to His life. And I think that's where we have to unlearn and relearn, as we talked about in the last program, Mm -hmm. right, a new way of doing things. It's now becoming passive to the world and active towards Christ rather than vice versa, where our human nature takes us, right, Mm -hmm. toward being uh, passive toward God, right? Genesis 3, passive toward his command, passive towards his choices, passive toward really the self and what it desires to pluck of the, th- of the fruit, to eat of it. And the very intent of our desires is evil all day long. We learned in Genesis six five, right? That God looked down upon man and saw the intent of his heart was nothing but evil, right? That's what we're trying to become passive toward, right? Mm-hmm. But we're not natural. We have to unlearn that. And by the power of the Holy spirit, the indwelt spirit, right? We learn to exercise those muscles, daily, and as we walk and are led by and keep in step with the Spirit, Galatians 5, right, as Paul suggests, we begin to put off, put on Romans 12, right, over and over and over Mm -hmm. and over again. So that's the hard muscle of the Spirit that I think men are challenged.
0: I'm learning our... so much, and you've only been here 15 minutes. Oh, great. That's quite
2: impressive. Well, let's ex- extend it a little bit. We'll, we'll go... try, okay. but th-
0: we're going to go to a break <laughs> first. And if you uh, have a question or concern or something you'd like to ask Vince Miller, my guest, uh, you can send me a text to 877 933 2484. Again, 877 Faith. We'll be right back. being joined by Vince Miller he's written 17 books what was that 17 300 300 really nice written a lot of books I got one in my hand right now called seven challenges men encounter handbook for men and we're going to talk about that a couple uh, little questions have popped in though so uh, I want my uh, husband to be a spiritual leader but he's not really doing that and now I'm getting frustrated what do I do
2: that is a great question um I, th- you know, I think sometimes there's this, uh, this wrestling match that happens between a husband and a wife, right? Exactly. Uh, over many years. And, uh, there's a struggle between, uh, what it looks like to be a spiritual leader, that there's a major delta between how a woman thinks about that and how a man thinks about that. And of course, how God thinks about that, right? So Mm -hmm. um, we all think a little differently than God does on it. And sometimes I think men think spiritual leadership is this command authoritarian kind of approach, right? Unfortunately, women want sometimes their husband to spiritually lead them or their family, but then a man attempts to do it and he does it wrong because that's how a man learns (laughs) is by failing, right? And therefore he fails. And if he fails one time and he he feels like he's guilted or shamed for that, he then steps away from that because it doesn't make him feel good you know? And he wants to feel good and strong, right? And I'm not placating. I'm not saying women should placate to their men right now, but they got to help them along, right? That's how leadership works. Got to help them. Like I say, honey, that was a good try, you know? (laughs) And then make me feel good about that. Like say, I love the way that you did this today. And then that draws more out of that man, whether he was leading the kid in a way or leading the family in a way or taking some form of spiritual leadership. But men think more tactically, about leadership. They just do. You give them a book, step them through it, and they understand it, and then they want to do it. But when it comes to spiritual leadership, it feels like this abstract idea. Like, how am I supposed to do that? You know, what does that look like? And that's really challenging for a guy, and he does not want to fail. So if he fails once, he's, you know, he's out. And then he doesn't want to try it again because he doesn't want to be shamed or feel guilty again. So I think one of the ways I think that women can draw this out of them is help, help men to understand when they're doing it right. Like when you feel like they did something right, applaud them for it. You know, mm-hmm. say, thank you for doing this this way. So if you catch them doing it that way, I also think I would speak to men on this topic, too, is that, you know, shepherd leadership or servant leadership is very different from leading in your business. You know, I know in your business you tell people what to do and that works for you. Or in a, in a military formation, for example, <laughs> you tell someone to do you command them and they do it. It doesn't work that way at home. Like The most difficult people to lead in the entire world are the people underneath your roof because they know you the best and they know your weaknesses. They're going to come at you for those weaknesses. They're going to take advantage of them at times. They're going to pit. Like, for example, my kids, when they were young teens, they pitted me and my wife against one another. And they knew what buttons to push. Oh, my goodness. They would push a button. They push a button. They knew that they'd get one thing for me and one thing for my wife. And so they would go to my wife for some things, and they'd go to me for other things, and it would pit me and my wife against each other, and then we'd be in conflict, and then we'd be in conflict on how we were actually going to deal with the issue, (laughs) and then all the other issues, what stemmed from it, just left us baffled, like, what am I supposed to do? So it's difficult, challenging. I didn't
0: know you had that many problems. Oh my
2: goodness, dude, yeah. (laughs) Seven (laughs) challenges that men encounter. My wife said, those aren't the right seven challenges. She had seven different ones, (laughs) you
0: know. That's uh, very, very funny.
2: Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> you definitely have me off my train of thought right now. What was I going to ask you? That's um, gone. Uh, it doesn't matter. Yep. It does matter because I think it was an interesting point. Oh, uh, true or false, men make other men better. Oh, I think that's absolutely true. I you too. So if, yeah. if, if a man is not engaged with other men mm-hmm. and... The wife wants the man to become more of a leader, she she's that's an uphill battle. Because Absolutely. he's not around other strong, positive, Christ filled men that as iron sharpens iron, one
2: man another. Yeah, I I think if men could, like, think about how we're talking right now, right? We're we're talking in a very special way about kind of the issues and the challenges that we're facing, or I faced. I guess I'm confessing my own issues, right? So uh, thanks for the therapy today. But oh, you're welcome. As as <laughs> as I get to share these things with you, I'm learning about myself, coincidentally, right? And then you, by just sitting across from me, are also learning stupid things that you never would do, as well, right? And we learn, and then when we open God's Word in front of us then we kind of discover wow we guys we're uh, we're all kind of in the same boat we're all kind of messed up i'm as messed up as you are and god's word is our guide and i come to discover that man there's a lot of really smart people around me for example for example <laughs> i remember a number of years ago i started meeting with guys in groups that was a number year i've been doing ministry 28 years but this was a long time ago and I was so excited about leading this group of men. It, seriously, I was excited about it. I was the youngest guy in the group. Most of the guys were in their 40s, 50s, 60s. There were carpenters in the group. There were CEOs in the group, uh, financial people in the group. I mean, there were carpenter. I mean, there was everybody was in there was all these different kinds of personalities in this group. And I was excited about leading them because I was the pastor of the group. You know, I was the guy who opened the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then I got about six weeks into this thing. And I came to discover that all these men had incredible perspectives about God's work. You know, when we read stuff about finance, the finance guys would step in. We read stuff about building, the building guys would step in. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I discovered that God created the best pro-bono system in the world for me (laughs) to get anything that I wanted. I mean, it was incredible. I had a plumber in my group one time. I remember I was like, this is the greatest thing ever because you know that a plumbing project in your home is three trips to the home store, bro. You know, one to go get a part two to go get all the right parts and three to go get all the other parts you now need. But you got a plumber in your group. You got someone who'll come over and fix that stuff for free and he's got all the parts and he knows what to do. (laughs) Right. At the same time, there's so many spiritual lessons we can learn from that that make me better. And let's just make it even more applicable. There's a lot of those guys that said in many of my groups over the years, and I've had thousands upon tens of thousands of men in groups, seriously over many years, And I will tell you, I've learned more about parenting, more about being a father, more about being a husband, more about being a leader at work from the failures and successes of all these other men sharing in the group than I would ever learn by myself. Mm -hmm. So any man doing life alone, like you were just saying, Mm -hmm. is it's a remedy for disaster especially especially when it comes to living the christian life you need men in your life today if you're listening to this program and you have no one mhm right today i could not agree anymore mm-hmm.
0: but if the woman is thinking that i'm going to help make him into the man that i think god wants him to be i think the answer is other men will help make him into the man god wants him to be yeah am i off on that i don't think so i was so uh... back on my off on that
1: i think we all have a part Okay. we all have a part to play and we all help make one another better, but I absolutely see the difference between men that have strong mentors and leaders in their lives that they can respect and that they can ask hard questions to that I know, like, you know, my husband might have things that he needs to talk to other guys about who have been there. Right. Who can give him that type of leadership and insight that I can't because i haven't I haven't been there, and uh so I know he has greatly benefited from things like that, so I would second that recommendation absolutely. I think there is a role that the wife has to play in in the spiritual roles in the family, obviously, but we've we've got to work together. God put us all here for a reason, and he does say older men teach the younger men, older women teach the younger women. Mm-hmm. That's the model that Paul set up uh, for Timothy specifically.
2: Mm-hmm. That's critical. Nice, Rebecca. I really like that. And I, you know, I Is was, that okay? no, that was excellent. <laughs> it was making, I was, Does I they was making act- it into your next book. Yeah, exactly. I'm writing right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, I was actually reading first Samuel today. I was reading through first Samuel right there at the beginning, you know, Hannah wants to have a child, but she's barren and she can't. And so God gives her a child and she, it says there in verse 28, that she lent him back to the Lord when he turned about five or six years old. She gave him back to the Lord because God had lent Samuel to her. And I just love that. So she hands him over to the high priest Eli, and, uh, which you know you know how that story plays out, but the, the essence of it is is that I, I love the way that Hannah understands that she has a role for a period of time, but she also understands that God is going to intervene in her boy's life and that he is going to care, that she has a responsibility with that, but it has limits and it has an end. And I love that Jesus does that too. It's the same kind of thing. I mean, you think about Jesus, of all the incredible things that Jesus did, like turn water to wine, which I'd love to be able to do. I would. That would be cool. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. He turned water to wine. But I think one of the coolest things that Jesus did, beyond dying on the cross for the sin of all humanity so that we might have a relationship with him and raising from the dead— was he discipled 12 dudes? I mean, think about it. If he doesn't disciple those 12 dudes, mentor them, mm-hmm. we don't sit in this room today. Yeah, he invested a lot of time in those 12, yeah. 12 men. Yeah, exactly. Dudes spending time with other dudes is what it right. was, right? And, that's right. How they, and they lacked another dude in their life. Jesus saw him walk and said, come follow me. How cool is that, mm-hmm. man? I'm picked by Jesus, you know? Yeah. So...
1: And he basically told all of us to do the same. He says, go and make disciples the same way I did. Mm -hmm. Teaching you, or in the same way I taught you, you're supposed to teach them. So, dude, spend time with other dudes.
2: Exactly. John Wooden said this once. I thought it was one of his greatest quotes. You know, John Wooden, of course, right? And, uh, you know, John Wooden inducted into the Hall of Fame twice, right? As a player and as a coach, great Christian mentor, influencer. He once said this. He said, everything I've learned, I've learned from someone else how great is that quote man it just makes you feel stupid doesn't it it, it does just, but it's true like yeah. every you everything you've learned you've learned from somebody else That's right true. and uh man if you want to go get wiser and you want to be a better husband you want to be a better father a better friend better leader then you need to be around better people yeah for goodness sake and i would say too to the wives out there Put your, put your family in front of better families, you know? Yeah, put your kids in front of better kids. If learning
0: is a lifelong process, why would you not want to be around other men who are wise and have experiences and can share stories and build you up and give you advice and wisdom and counsel? It's all good. All right, Vince Miller is my guest in studio. We're chatting about a new handbook called Seven Challenges, in, uh, Seven Challenges Men Encounter. And we'll take uh, questions or comments, 877-933-2484. Be right back with Vince. with Vince Miller and during the break he made some outrageous (laughs) (laughs) You made some outrageous offer that I guess I want you to say because if I repeat it it'll sound made up. So why don't you make it? You want me to do it? Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. If there's any guys out there that want to be mentored through our online mentoring program I would love to mentor you. If you want to do that just use Bill's name Bill Arnold on our website reach out to me. And I will give you a year's worth of online mentorship with me. For? Cost? Uh, no cost. Zero. Free. Free. 100% free. So say it again. Use Bill Arnold's name. Reach out to me through my website at bresolute.org, that's bresolute.org. Click all in mentoring and let me know that you want to be mentored and I will do it for a year for free. Very cool. Thank Hmm. you, Vince. No, thank you, man. I'm very touched by that. Yeah.
0: There's guys out there that want mentorship. A lot of them. Yeah, there are. And there's a lot of people listening right now that know someone that needs mentorship. Correct, yep. And got a very nice, lovely comment from a listener um, that I don't know how to make a crying face with a huge heart because I'm crying because she's so touched.
2: Really? Yeah, by that. Praise God, man. Yeah, yeah. That's why we do it. We do it so men will grow in their relationship with God regardless of how old they are. So if you're 15 or... 99 and you're looking to grow in your relationship with Christ, I'd love to spend time with you online. So that's very cool. know,
0: nice. Okay. Let's go back uh, to some of the challenges that men encounter. Courage being one of them. I love uh, Joshua one nine. It's been a a memory verse for a long, long time. You think of uh, Joshua given the task to lead millions into a promised land and he knew it would involve military engagement, but he had never engaged in war in his life. So this takes courage. This takes a lot of courage. I mean, who wants to do
2: something you've never done before? Exactly. Scary, (laughs) isn't it? Like, I mean, you think about, if you really think about Joshua just for a second, I mean, he, he he was one of the faithful, right? And he was one of the few in the wilderness to actually see the promised land, right? Even after God had kind of cursed a generation of people. And he watched Moses for a really long time, right? He was his understudy. Again, another great man mentoring another younger man. And he walks this guy uh, through through the desert for a number of years. Moses, of course, doesn't get to see the promised land. Joshua does. But Moses had a lot of military background. You know, he was a part of a major empire that was military-led, and he was exposed to that. Joshua had none. Yet God was going to call him to be a military leader for a nation walking into land that they were going to have to take, or God was going to have to take rather, right? Mm -hmm. And that's going to take a lot of courage. So Moses hands him this vision, you know, don't be afraid, be courageous, right? He hands him that. God reinforces that in Joshua 1, and of course if you continue reading forward in the Bible, you're going to discover that David actually hands that promise, that vision to his son Solomon, worded almost identically. So we see the continuity of this vision. You know, be courageous, do not be afraid, for I, the Lord your God, am with you wherever you go. And all it requires is fearing God and courage. To do what he calls us to do, that's it, because God has prepared everything else for us. All we got to do is be courageous. I think that's pretty profound, but it's hard to have courage, I think. You know, it's really hard for, I think, sometimes men to have courage when they're they're walking into lands they don't understand, into moments they've never encountered before, often without the mentorship they think that they need to accomplish the task. And what does God tell Joshua to do? Fear me. Fear me, obey my words, mm-hmm. and be courageous. That's it. Yeah. Pretty wow. simple.
0: Well, I know probably every guy at some point in his life
2: has has backed down due to fear, right? Uh, I, I did. I mean, I got to be honest with you. The reason why I started this ministry was because my wife kind of pushed me to do it. Have I ever told you that story? Oh, yeah. It's a great story. I mean, my wife basically said... Look, you're going to do this thing. And that's how Resolute started was mm-hmm. the ministry that I'm leading today. It uh, was started out of my wife saying, I think God's calling you to do this thing. And I said to her, you're crazy. And she said back to me, don't call me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And I said, how about this? I'll pray about it. And I prayed about it genuinely for a week and clear, clear as day. I felt that God said to me, look, now's the time. Do it. Mm-hmm. Just do it, just have courage and do it and Today we influence two to three million men a year because of something that my wife said to me one day about having courage. I mean, think about that. think of how important wives are in a relationship with their husbands uh they I think wives underestimate the leadership that they actually have to influence their husbands mm-hmm. so women there's hope out there. I want you to hear that today men. You need some courage, though. (laughs) Let's just be honest. Get some courage. Do what God is calling you to do. Don't back down from his word. Be obedient, and he will be faithful. And I guarantee you there's men listening today that are afraid of something that's happening at the work, something that's happening at home, afraid to step into a situation, and all God is requiring from them is courage to do the right thing, Mm -hmm. right to do the right thing, the biblical thing, the hard thing. And it's not often what we think it is. It's what God thinks it is. And that's what makes courage hard, right? Is to do what God actually (laughs) wants us to do. Mm -hmm. Even if it means we might get fired or it might lead to a broken relationship or, you know, whatever it might lead to, Mm -hmm. you know.
0: Rebecca, do a a fact check on that 2 million number. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, that seemed like a big number.
1: I have my fact checkers on it now. Okay, good. (laughs) I have a team, a crack squad of researchers.
0: Yeah, Um, I like that. All right, let's talk about... um, how we're doing when it comes to loving others. Mm. You know, men, I think, have a difficult time sharing feelings, loving unconditionally, mm-hmm. forgiving. But let's stick with loving right now.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think most men have never experienced unconditional love. That's actually what drew me to my relationship with my Heavenly Father, was I came to discover that he wasn't going to give me a face spanking in heaven. No one I mean, just to be honest, like, and I came to discover that he loved me anyway. Now, he didn't want me to stay the same. That's different, right? Acceptance of who we are and continuing to put up with it is different than saying, hey, I love you. Can you please change? But I'm still going to love you, right? Mm-hmm. Even if you don't. And man, that that seems like impossible in our mind because most men, most men have never been loved unconditionally ever. I mean, think about it. When's the last time you guys have been loved unconditionally? I mean, truly unconditionally like mistakes and all for someone mm-hmm. to walk up to you saying, say to you, man, I love you. Mm-hmm. I, I I continually mentioned, I mentioned that to my wife three times today. We office together, by the way, Okay, <laughs> we live together, we office together. And, uh, you know, we office, I said to her a few times today, Hey, I love you. I love you. And the way I was thinking about it was, I love you just the way that you are. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to stay that way. <laughs> right. But I love you. And I say that to my kids today, like I was on the phone with my son, like I already talked about, I love you. And what I meant was I love you just the way you are, right? Just the way you are. And I think people want to be accepted that way, but that's not the way it usually occurs within, you know, within humanity. It's, it's very, very conditional. I love you if, mm-hmm. I'll love you when, right? And not just as you are. And I think we all want to receive it. And when we receive that for the very first time, we come to discover that this is really beautiful, that there's... Uh, real generosity and gratitude that go along with that. There's mercy, grace, forgiveness that are extended through that. And it's almost mind blowing, you know, like, boom, like what just happened to me? I've never been loved that way. And then you want to be in that relationship. Well, that's the way God loves us. God loves us completely and totally unconditionally. But we then have to in turn learn how to love that same way other people. And that's hard man, (laughs) because there are people we don't love unconditionally, right? We want them to change and then we'll love them. But that's not what God calls us to. He calls us to the hard work of not only receiving his love, his unconditional love, but <laughs> giving it to other people in a meaningful way. And honestly, that should bring tears to all of our eyes because that's the way God loves us.
0: Mm-hmm. Vince, do men express their love usually different? I mean, are we all kind of the same in terms of what we offer or or are we getting better at it? What what have you learned talking
2: and mentoring men? Yeah, you know, um I think guys really do have a hard, hard they have a hard time with appreciation shown publicly. Like this happened to me the other day. I was sitting at a bonfire with a group of people and one of the guys there was offering a compliment to like, there was probably 12 or 13 people sitting around this bonfire. One guy was offering, he just interrupted the group and offered a compliment to another person sitting across from the group. And the group was almost in shock by it. Like, they didn't know how to respond. The silence was deafening. It was just laughable. <laughs> I was sitting there going, no one knows how to respond to this moment. You know, and he offers his compliment. We're all joking around. He offers his compliment. It just got quiet. <laughs> Because guys don't know what to do with that, right? Because we don't normally do that. What we normally do is use sarcasm, right? right? That's our love language, right? Right, right? So we use sarcasm to show that we love one another because it comes close enough to showing appreciation. Mm-hmm. But for for me to genuinely look at you and say, hey, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing here at KTIS because it's meaningful to millions upon millions of, Fact check that. Of people, right? Then you're adored by that. Right. And if I say that publicly in f- front of other people and genuinely mean it, it's it's like a little bit awkward an awkward dance for us because mm-hmm. we don't hear those voices uh often from other people. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. And I don't think you probably do that much as, as much as we would like, especially from the people that we want to hear them from, mm-hmm. right? Am I, I don't know if I'm heading down the direction. No,
0: or- those are good answers. I sometimes think that men have a, the capability of, of giving the, love you, man, you know, where they can't say, hey, Vince, I love you, because mm-hmm. it sounds too weird. Mm-hmm. Like that's reserved for only one other person, and it's maybe from a, to a different sex, you know? <laughs> but really, those words are so powerful. Um, yeah. And if you can really just say that, it's just, it's life-changing,
2: yeah, and if you genuinely mean it. If you genuinely and, mean and And you can sit across from someone and look at them and put a hand on their shoulder or whatever and, and not make it weird. It doesn't have to be weird. It can be brotherly. It can be kind. Mm-hmm. And it can be very, it can just give life to people. I know. Those words are of, so powerful. Absolutely. For yeah. me, like the words of encouragement on the five love, love languages, right? The words of affirmation or whatever it is. That's it for me. That fills my pot, you know, like fills my bucket for like months. Like someone says one nice thing to me and boom. You know, like that person that left that comment just a little while ago. It's weird. Like, that is burned, tattooed on my mind right now. I'll carry that with me for a few weeks because it means a lot. And uh, anyway. Let's talk about integrity. Let's, um, what is it? Yeah, integrity is is what you need to put together something so it will meet the demands of any of the issues that it's going to encounter, right? So integrity means how something is put together. You know, when something's disintegrated, it means it's not put together well. Mm-hmm. When something's integrated, it's put together really well, you know, and what we're looking for specifically when we're talking about biblical integrity is we're talking about men whose lives are integrated. And it takes my mind back to the parable of the foundations, right? So when Jesus is ending the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about the two different types of foundations, and he says there's one built on sand and there's one built on the rock, right? So one has integrity and one doesn't. Now, here's the funny thing about that story is it looks like the house has integrity because it's built, but it's built on sand. But you can't see the integrity of the building until the storm proves it Mm -hmm. to shows that it's not integrated into the rock. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So the wind comes and the storm comes and the rains come down and all that kind of stuff. Jesus is describing it. I actually think Jesus does a great job with it. So go read it. Matthew 7. But uh, he's pretty good at this kind oh, of stuff. He's, he's so. excellent. <laughs> he just made these things up too on the spot. It's so great. So he makes up this story and, and he's talking about this and, and uh, he says there's two, kind, two types of men, right? There's two types of people and one is the man who is disintegrated and the other guy is the guy who's integrated he's integrated in the rock but what he's being descriptive of is he's he's describing a man who is integrated on the inside out we're not talking about words connected to deeds even though he's talking about you know doing these words of mine he's talking about a deeper level of integration he's talking about the man's soul and desire and his words and what he is doing are all integrated. Because just to get your words and your actions integrated could be false integrity, which we call hypocrisy, which is actually what Jesus was speaking against in the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. He says, your faith must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew chapter 5. So Jesus isn't talking about just the integrity between what we say and what we do. He's talking about the integrity between what our desires are, the intent of our heart between what we say and what we do. And that's deep level integrity to bury his word and truth within our desires, within our soul. You like this, don't you? (laughs) I do. (laughs) And it's in there. And then when the storms come, right, and expose our words and deeds, it exposes the hypocrite, and the man who's truly integrated. And that's the Jesus yeah. that men that Jesus is at. that's the men that Jesus is after that. I just
0: like being around you after you've been cooped up for ten months. <laughs> 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 like who put a nickel in you
2: today? Man, I haven't spoken in a long time. I this can see great. that. All right, let
0: me take a little break. Vince Miller's my guest. We'll be right back. <laughs> A guest. We're talking about Seven Challenges Men Encounter. This is one of his many books that he's come out with. And we're uh, also reminding you if you need mentoring in your life, if you could use some online interaction, some online mentoring. Vince has just made a pretty amazing offer. You go to beresolute.org, beresolute.org. And when you get to his website, I guess he mentioned my name somewhere. And then all of a sudden, you are um, can get one
2: year of mentoring for free with me. Sounds made up. Nope, I swear that sounds made up. I know it'll be direct with me. Uh, I'll walk you through some uh, amazing lessons over a year, and um, I would love to have you guys out there or guys that you know join us. Just use Bill's name, Bill Arnold. Use that name, and I'll know who you are, and we'll set you up with a year's worth of mentorship. That's very cool. Yep. So.
0: Well, that's really, really a generous offer. Um, I don't, I know there's going to be people that are going to um, probably reach out to you today, which is cool. And then other people will listen to the podcast and probably over the next week or so, you'll have people say, you know, I want to do that Vince Miller thing, that thing.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Just tell them to keep reaching out to me.
0: Mm -hmm. Let's talk about um, selfishness and humility. These are two issues that I think all of us struggle with men
2: uh, struggle with as well, yeah, my wife made me add those too.
0: she did huh
2: <laughs> okay, so i don 't know much about um actually, I know a lot about selfishness. I could probably talk about that. I think humility is uh you know a lifelong learning project, you know uh, clearly selfishness born at the beginning of time, right we have this selfish impulse. Mm-hmm right, that uh, kind of works its way up through us. Uh, we easily learn to be selfish. It's hard to unlearn selfishness. I think we spend a lifetime learning how to not be selfish. I think mm-hmm. every day I'm learning a new way to not be selfish. And it's very, very challenging, I think, um, because the older I get, the more sinful I realize I am. <laughs> it's really quite sad. But, uh, you know, I'm learning to see my life through the lens of Jesus Christ and and how beautiful his selfless life was. And the more that I see Christ's selflessness, especially through like his servant leadership, his humility, how he laid that down to walk with us through this life, it's quite astounding, really. And uh, I know that when I have taken another step toward humility in my life, that God has really blessed me for. And I don't do it for the blessing. I learn it so I can give more attention to him and more glory to him. And that's what I've had to unlearn. I think that's what guys need to unlearn too, is they need to point to the glory of God rather than the glorification of self. Because we point to self-gratification, mm-hmm. right? Self-justification, the glorification of self instead of pointing to Christ. And I think that's a little bit of our struggle with pride and humility, and really, the the selfless, the selfish people that we really are. Mm-hmm. What about accepting responsibility? Oh, that's a big one. Oof, it's I, a big one. I, you know, I, I've
0: heard some horribly painful stories of a man who just is not re- accepting responsibility for his behavior, and then there's a fracture in the family for the rest of the life
2: of yeah, those two people. Exactly, and I, I think this has a, a lot to do with how we mature through sin. You know, like, what does that mean? Well, I think that uh, learning how to say I'm responsible for that and that you're not going to deflect a mistake that you have made or put it off or explain or blame somebody else that you're actually going to take, take upon yourself to say, you know what, I am responsible for this. I did screw this up. It was more than a mistake. And I think that's what we have a hard time accepting responsibility for. But you know what, I believe the biggest thing that we have a hard time accepting responsibility for is not just that we've made a mistake, that we've actually sinned against God, that we've actually hurt our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's astounding when you go back to the beginning of the Bible. Adam and Eve, I do this all the time. I know it, but I think it's so important when you look at the garden again and you look that man has fallen, right? And God approaches man, asks him what, he, what he's done. He approaches woman and asks her what she's done. They both blame and explain and neither one of them ever accepts responsibility. Never in those texts. It's actually a quite a sad state for all humankind in that moment. They offer excuses, and in the end, they're actually blaming God for giving them woman, for giving them the serpent, but they're not accepting the responsibility that goes with it. I think that what we really need to do in this life is understand what is our responsibility and how we've hurt other people because it actually works against the sin problem. It works against The ramifications of sin. Now, let me say a little bit more about that. You know, when we sin, other people suffer, right? Oh, yeah. And we, when we don't accept responsibility, we fail to see that our sin has adverse effects for sometimes a lifetime on other people. And when they see us putting up a pretense or pretending or blaming or explaining, they look at us and go, what? are you talking about you know like I can't tell you how many times I've sat in front of a couple who have gone through a tragic issue in their marriage let's, let's say it's pornography or adultery or something like that I've sat in front of a married couple where I look at a man who wants to just get past the situation right he wants to just move past the issue but now this poor woman has just discovered for the very first time what's been going on for years in his mind, in his heart, with his body and his decisions. He just wants to move past it. He doesn't understand that this woman, for the very first time, his wife is just hearing about the sin that's been going on for years in his mind and in his heart and his soul and with his body, and he just wants to move past it. It seems like he's deflecting it. And I can sit as a third-party observer and watch this happen and going. This guy is not helping the situation at all right now because he doesn't really understand the suffering he has caused this woman or the extended family or other people or this other person's family because he fails to understand that. He can't accept responsibility. What he wants to do is just move past it. And we have to remember, this isn't just about other people. We're talking about an offense against God, too. God is the ultimate person that we've offended, right? Right in a broken relationship with Him. And to learn how to accept that responsibility means that we're communicating, we understand the riches of God's love, grace, forgiveness, and mercy. Understanding the ramifications of our sin in this world. And then bringing healing through us to the world around us. Man, when we accept responsibility, we're accepting responsibility for everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because one choice leads to many other choices in our life that we get to make. Vince, it's been great. It's been a great hour. And I I
0: appreciate you coming in and talking about Seven Challenges Men Encounter. It's a little handbook for men. I suppose you can go to beresolute.org yep. and pick this little guy up if you want. Yep. Check it out. And also, he made quite an offer today, which is, uh, God must have laid this on your heart. If you just are going to start investing in the lives of men that you don't know, all you have to do is go to org and mention, I guess, my name. I don't know. My name has never really helped anyone that much, (laughs) but in this case, it's going to help you get a year uh, free of mentoring from Vince himself. Yes or his stunt double,
2: one of the yeah, two. Yeah, exactly. No. And we're going to go through material just like this, like you're holding in your hand, like Seven mm-hmm. Challenges Men Encounter, are some of the conversations we're going to be having in this mentoring program from fundamentals to mindset issues to leadership challenges to all kinds of different things that we'll be talking about mm-hmm. for guys. So.
0: so I will leave you with Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. Of course, that says, iron sharpens iron, and so one man sharpens another. So that's, uh, go to beresolute.org. You can check that out. Vince, thanks for being here Great to, be, great love to see Love you, you, man. Love, love you, you. you, too. mean it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it, too. All right, that wraps up our show. If you missed any of this, you can head to MyFaithRadio.com. I sure do appreciate you. I sure love you and your support, and I look forward to our time tomorrow. Have a great night. I'll see you then.